Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the sixth episode of the Wim Lexio. We're delighted that we're at the Picnic HQ today. Picnic is a fast-growing online supermarket in the Netherlands and also Germany. And um, the founder of uh, co-founder of Picnic is here with us today, Michiel Müller. Michiel Müller is a serial entrepreneur in the Netherlands and also an investor. Thank you so much uh, for being on the show today, Michiel. Yeah, now well, more than welcome. Yeah. Welcome. Nice to you here. Welcome. Maybe uh, we can start a little bit because I, I know that the uh, listeners from Gassenzone know a lot about Picnic already because it's a most discussed <laughs> topic now in, in yeah. our channel. But uh, most Wimlex listeners uh, probably um, have not heard about, uh, at least not the German Wimlex uh, listeners or the more international okay. ones. Maybe you can give us some background of the business model and, and your personal story, and then we can uh, we can kick off the uh, more interesting questions. Ah, okay. Now, well, uh, uh, Picnic is of course uh, an online supermarket and we have a very simple uh, positioning for our customers so it's uh, all your groceries for the lowest price free to your door that's it and uh, that has generated quite some interest and that's because we think that the offer that we have now for consumers is the first one and that's not only for Holland it's for many countries true it's the first time that people can order their groceries and get them delivered at home or go to the supermarket for the same price. And that's the really interesting part about all of this because all the other, let's say, uh, uh, formats have been more a premium format, like Ocado or like anybody who does grocery online with a delivery cost. So we are the first time where it doesn't make any difference between going to the supermarket yourself or having it delivered at home. Uh, That's the first thing. But of course, it all started we're with four co-founders and uh, Frederick uh, Nieuwenhuis and Joris Beckers. They came up with the idea just after they sold their business, Fred Hopper, which made software for e-commerce companies. And what they found out is basically that there are many, many, many e-commerce players and there are many e-commerce markets like electronics or fashion or books or travel. And all these markets have been, let's say, penetrated a couple of years ago and are growing to 20, 30, 40% online sales except groceries, it's only 1%. So you have 1% here and 30% there. And of course, everybody says, oh, that's logical. But if you think about it, it's not that logical. Because why would you go uh, to a fashion store in the street? Because it's fun to do, you buy something for yourself. But again, they are already 30% online. But why would you go to a supermarket? Just go inside three to five times a week, do the same things, buy the same stuff, Stand in line every time, bring it to your car, bring it to your fridge. I mean, it takes a lot of time. So there is no logic behind uh, the fact that people don't do groceries that much online. And so we found out there are basically two things that keeps them away from doing it. First of all is the long delivery windows. You have to be at home two, three hours waiting for your milk. Maybe not such a nice thing to do. Secondly, uh, there's the delivery cost. So every grocery retailer online uh, charges delivery costs, and it ranges from 4 to 14 euro. So there's a huge uh, difference in delivery costs, but it's something that they all do. Meaning, if you have the combination, long windows, being at home for two, three hours for your groceries to be delivered, and delivery costs, basically nobody's doing it, because that's why the penetration is so low. So what we said, if we can solve these two issues, long delivery windows and delivery cost, then we have a mass market approach. Then you always also have the teacher and the nurse and everybody can order these groceries. So that's basically what we did. We, we found a way to uh, build the last mile completely different uh, based on the milkman model. Well, maybe we can talk a bit about that later. Uh, a completely different delivery model, which means that it's on the minute precise delivery with very small delivery slots and free. And that's basically broken up the market. So now everybody can do their online groceries. And that means you have a mass market approach, hence our growth. Yeah, obviously you haven't told the story like first time when I'm listening uh, um, to you. Can you give us, uh, give us some uh, rough numbers about how many, uh, how many households are you serving right now? Where are your uh, um, logistics centers? So is it possible here in Amsterdam? We are like here in a... And uh, in, not in the outskirt of Amsterdam, but it's not like super central. Is it possible to uh, get a li- delivery here? Um, yeah. And w- what is the status quo of the company, actually? The status quo is that we, uh, <clears throat> we did our pilot in uh, the summer of 2015. So that's about three years ago now. Mm-hmm. And in the pilot, we, we, we checked, of course, a couple of things that, to understand what people really like. One of the most important things is that we, uh, we tested our milkman model. 
because what you see in grocery delivery and last mile delivery in general is that all these uh, uh, delivery schemes allow you to order, let's say, in 15 different slots per day. So you can say 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock. I mean, you just pick and choose the time that suits you. Which means that if we are to our neighbors and you order at 10 o'clock in the morning and I order at 11 o'clock in the morning, then in, the, in between the two of us, he goes to the other side of town to do somebody at 10.30, which makes it very inefficient, which gener uh, generates costs, and so you have to charge delivery fees. So what we did, we have the milkman model, meaning that you don't have the choice of many slots per day. You just have one slot per day. That's when picnic arrives. So let's say Monday at 3 o'clock, Tuesday at 7 o'clock in the afternoon, Wednesday at 5 o'clock, Thursday at 8 o'clock in the afternoon. So it's just a fixed slot per day. You can, of course, pick the day that suits you best or pick a couple of days that suits you best. But you, you don't have the choice of all these delivery slots per day. Which means that if we drive into a city or into a street and we have three customers that day, we can do them in one go. Whereas the traditional model just... The vans are zigzagging the, zigzagging the city all day, very inefficient. Of course, apart from sustainability part of things, it generates a lot of cost. And so you have to charge delivery fees, which means nobody's going to do it. And how do you calculate the most optimal route? Because I can imagine that um, based on the time, uh, you will have the most people enrolling for, yep. for the route. Yeah. How, well, how, how, yeah. how is that designed? Well, that's maybe the, the following your, your how, it, how it was designed. So we did the pilot in uh, 2015 summer. In Amersfoort? In Amersfoort. Uh, deliberately in Amersfoort because we don't want to start in Amsterdam because everybody will think, oh, this is again something for the rich and famous. No, this is a product that everybody can use. Everybody can buy, everyone can afford. And that's exactly why we started in Amersfoort. And uh, doing that also generated a lot of insights because we could ask these people that are very close to the brand, how would you change the assortment? What do you think of this milkman round? Do you have anything else, else to add? How do you, what do you feel about our app? So we got a lot of consumer insight just by starting and just by doing the pilot. We launched at the end of September. And uh, towards the end of the year, we stayed in Amersfoort. We opened uh, Utrecht in uh, early 2016 and then Almere sort of the before summer 2016. And then we sort of found out, okay, if it works in Amersfoort, sort of yeah, uh, 100,000 uh, household city, If it works in Utrecht, for city of Holland, if it works in Almere, which is quite a new-built city, well, probably it will work everywhere. So then we said, okay, let's just push the, uh, the throttle and, and open up more cities. And that's what we did. So today we are with uh, 25 cities, or 25 hubs, about 60 cities, because a hub can serve more cities. That's one. We have now uh, four uh, distribution centers, fulfillment centers, opening up our fifth one in Rotterdam in a couple of weeks' time. And these are all manual centers, so where we just have the order pickers doing, uh, of course, supported by software, but doing it manually. And that has generated, in, that will generate enough capacity to just go further and grow further as we go. And uh, the next step will be to also build automated fulfillment centers. And that, of course, uh, takes a bit more time to realize. But it's all a matter of how can we serve all these customers today that have apparently uh, uh, been adopting this new model. And I'm a data guy. I'm very interested in, in, in how your milkman model works. Um, so how is it designed? How, how do you know what the optimal route is for uh, your um, yeah. electric vehicles yeah. to, to, to drive and to service the most clients? Yeah, so what happens is that you, you can only order via an app. It's just, just completely 100% app-based. And at 10 o'clock at night, you have to finish your order and pay your order for delivery the next day. Okay. Yeah. So at 5 past 10, we know exactly... How many orders? How big are the orders? So how many crates, eh? how many totes do we use, do we need? How many vans do we need? How many runners, delivery guys and girls? But we also know exactly how many cucumbers tomorrow, how many loaves of bread, how many beefsteak. And uh, uh, so then we only order with our suppliers. So it, there's a lot happening after 10 o'clock. And then we start also to make the delivery routes based on a, uh, an own planning model that we made based on knowing exactly how much time it takes for a delivery at a certain customer in a certain street for a certain size of order. So it's all very precise. On-the-minute precise planning means also that you have on-the-minute delivery times and you have a really reliable system for your customers. So that's all completely, uh, we call it the fixed milkman route, but of course they change every day.
So you have the smart data scientists here. Uh, yeah, to, a couple of those. Yeah, <laughs> to yeah. calculate those yes. those, those yes. routes. Yes. And yeah. and 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 how did you come up with the milkman model? Was that like from scratch? Was that the idea uh, in order to disrupt the current online supermarket chains? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's, that's basically the the thing that that Frederick and yours came up with to not only reduce the waiting time set, so the, the long delivery windows, but also uh, reduce the last mile costs so you can do it for free. I mean, it's, 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 uh, the funny thing is that if you look at the, the milkman as it was in the years 60s and 70s, they were sort of competed away by the supermarkets. But in fact, the milkman also in Germany, when you talk to, to German uh, customers, the milkman still for them is somebody who is very reliable. He's always on time because he's the same time every day. Uh, it's a very kind guy. You can trust him because he just writes down your groceries and at the end of the month you have to pay. <laughs> so there are a lot of positive things about this. And maybe the assortment wasn't that big or maybe it was a bit expensive. But today with new technology and another supply chain, you can build the milkman back. You can, you can sort of rebuild the milkman, but then with a huge assortment and with lowest prices. And um, just, to be, just to be fair, so um, I'm covering your model now for half a year, more or less. There's not only like the route planning and the milking model uh, behind them. You you are you've built your like your own cars, which are a little bit optimized mm -hmm. for the uh, delivery. So everything like uh, and we did uh, a small tour uh, in your uh, in your hub here, yeah. uh, and uh, everything uh, seems to be work uh, seems to be working quite nicely in terms of there's not too many uh, manual label involved when you're uh, packing up your car everything is already like prepared when it comes from the uh, from the central hub uh, yep. to the small to the small hub so every box it only needs like uh, to be picked like uh, first time when it's kind of uh, loaded in the central hub and that second time when yep. the uh, when the uh, runner is uh, or the milkman uh, yeah, yeah. As, as we can say <laughs> is bringing it to the customer so there's um, There's like more um, more smart things here, uh, uh, which have been innovated uh, by by Picnic uh, compared to other companies, and that that drives me to um, to the next question. So, um, I think the the big who is going to win the uh, online food model in Germany alone? It's a 200 billion uh, uh, euro market per year. I don't know how big the market is in the Netherlands. Probably a 35. So. Yeah. 35, 50. Uh, who is bringing it from 1% to like 5% has as big a business model as uh, as a leading online fashion retailer, uh, for example. Um, so, so what do you think is the reason why are you leading right now the trend in online food delivery and all the other um, uh, um, very, very big uh, uh, retail groceries change, not in the US, uh, in Asia, I don't really know, uh, but uh, um, uh, very, very, um, um, very, very sure not in Europe, haven't been able to come, uh, come up with a similar model. So um, their model seems to be less efficient when, it's come, when it comes to drop-off. So yes. how many stations do you have per hour per yep. milkman? Less efficient when it comes to returns, less efficient when it comes to um, central hub management. So there's so many stuff going on here. And in total, it, uh, it, it results in a, maybe the breakthrough in the online food delivery uh, mm. uh, um, 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 uh, market. So um, was it really like okay, let's sit together in 2015, let's do a test mark, and, and that's it? Is that how you came up with, with the model? <laughs> so some more smartness? No, no, of course. I mean, uh, uh, we did, of course, quite a lot of work before we started, uh, before we started the pilot. But in the end, I mean, uh, entrepreneurship means that you take a lot of risks and that you find out along the way how things evolve. And I think a lot of things were already uh, very nice in the beginning, so we sort of uh, hit the right target. But also along the way, we found out a couple of things that were very interesting. For instance, what is the schedule like? What is the best schedule for any person along the week? Uh, what's the best assortment? Um, these runners, uh, what, what type of person do we need for those? And from the start, we have also involved our customers, but also our people, just to see, okay, how can we make this even better every time? And you, you were at our hub uh, just now, and you saw that the, let's say... Uh, the, the people that work at the hub, it's all very, um, they're, they all belong together. They're just working together on making it better. And that's very nice because that means that you don't need a lot of management uh, stuff uh, going on with it. But it also means if you're open enough that it generates a lot of uh, ideas from your own people. 
and then you can make it better. And the funny thing is, since the start, we have had conversations with our customers and every order you can rate. And if you see the amount of customers that react on a purchase saying, okay, this was nice, or why don't you do this? Or so there's so much information coming out of the system that we can capture and can organize ourselves upon that it's by itself is getting a little bit better every day. And that, of course, generates also a better product. It even seemed almost unreal uh, in the hub floor. I visited some hubs from um, major German logistics brands, uh, I would say, and uh, I haven't seen so many um, um, happy pickers uh, in, uh, in, uh, in the hub. Uh, in, uh, and hopefully it works out uh, um, for them. Before we come to the more detailed question uh, in regards to your business model, though, I have like one question I, I was uh, given by many uh, friends to, to, to ask you. Uh, in Germany, there had been a couple of hundred millions in investment uh, from different uh, retail um, uh, uh, retail chains um, who had been uh, in the grocery industry. And there's like four big uh, retail chains, Edeka, Rewe, Aldi, Lidl. And um, none of the initiatives really worked out. So Rewe just uh, published a report that they have been managed um, 100 million revenue like last year. And the the investment was way, way bigger over the last five to six years. So, And now everybody, essentially everybody is looking in your direction and saying, okay, how is it even remotely possible uh, um, that there's like a, a, a Dutch team uh, disrupting the market in that way? And uh, how can we invest? So can you tell us a little bit uh, <laughs> uh, what your financing structure uh, uh, um, is about and, and still search for a way how to bribe you to come to Kiel? <laughs> Kiel, yeah. yeah. Why not? Yeah. No, I think, I think uh, after we, we, we launched the first couple of cities in Holland, we went further down the road, opening more hubs, opening more cities and, and fulfillment centers. We also got quite, a, uh, quite many people over from the industry, either retailers or, or suppliers, just asking, okay, how can, we, how can we help? What can we learn? How can we develop in this market together? And also, of course, we had uh, the opportunity to start in Germany. But also there, we said, now we're going to start with a pilot. It was called, by then, it was called Splinter. <laughs> A very uh, funny name in Germany with a Mercedes, of course, but still. Uh, because why did we do that? We wanted to have a very clear check on the basic customer proposition. So not with a brand and nice pictures and nice stories about how successful it was in Holland. No, we just wanted to test, with, will this work? All your groceries, lowest price, free to your door. So we did exactly the same with all these, uh, let's say, town halls with customers, understanding how the app works. Did, of course, all the translation, Dutch, uh, German products in, etc. And then we sort of found the same reactions. And uh, it was funny because, the, uh, um, of course, we know the Dutch a bit better than the Germans. We have a German founding team, so we had a lot of uh, German blood in as well. But the, um, the funny thing is that, that people, Germans, started to react on, on, uh, in the app with the um, reviews of their orders with uh, hearts and exclamation marks, etc. So and our German team said, well, that's quite unused. And not very useful for, for Germans to be so positive uh, uh, about a product. And also we found out that the, the Milkman model also there works quite well. Because people say, yeah, well, that's perfect for me. I mean, six o'clock Tuesday, my wife always goes to the gym. I'm at home anyhow. So it's perfect. And if it's on a minute precise for free, why not? Lowest price products. So, I mean, it is sort of the same test that we did in Amersfoort. We did in Neuss. And also in Germany, we didn't start in Berlin. We didn't start in Dusseldorf or in, uh, in München or in Hamburg. We said, no, let's start in a city where just normal families live, where there is no Deliveroo or Fudora type uh, uh, hybrid stuff. Where normal people just have normal families and want to buy groceries online. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. Kiel would have been such a perfect place. But again, so uh, can you... <laughs> that would be interesting. And that's a question we are, we, we are getting. So uh, let's say there's like big German uh, investors that would say, okay, that's a model that would be probably winning, the winning model uh, in the next years. I would uh, like to take it to all over Germany, to Poland, to, to whatever, so all markets that are like... Like a shape very similarly, where where there was a milkman in the 60s and 70s, and I don't know if there's a, if there's a place in Europe where there was no milkman. I don't know. I don't uh, think so. Maybe you said it's a good indicator for your. No, I mean the the, the the milk fleet in the UK was sort of the biggest. Yeah. And it's still there. Yeah. And it's also funny that all the milkmen always drove electrically. Yeah. Oh yeah. The Absolutely. Yeah. The first car was electrical, by the way, but still. 
in the, in the 1930s. But the, the milkmen, they also in the UK, they drive electrically. So okay. in that way, we also sort of replicated the model. Yeah. But I mean, coming back to your, your point where you say, okay, big incumbents, difficult for them to start the online grocery model. Good um, for you. Mm, good, good for, for us. You. But yeah. it's also, I mean, you have a, a blank sheet of paper when you start a new business model in a new company. That is a very important point in time because then you can make it exactly as you want. You can think about sustainability. You can think about reducing food waste. You can think about driving electrical vans instead of diesel vans. So there's a lot of things that you can do from the beginning better, different than the incumbents, where they have already invested in so many infrastructure or where they have sort of way of doing that's difficult to, to, to get away from. And so having that uh, point in the beginning of a very young company is very important, but you need to use it because there are these big guys, of course, around the corner. And how did you, because I was thinking about the name and brand, and of course now in, in Holland it's a household name, but I can imagine when you're sitting there looking at your white piece of paper, there needs to be a brand on top of it. Yeah. How did you come up with the name Picnic? <laughs> in the end, we came up with the name Picnic because it sort of uh, generates uh, a nice feeling yeah. because it has everything to do with having fun, being outside, not going to a supermarket and spend uh, too much time there. So it was more sort of a feeling of happiness and doing uh, fun stuff with the time. So that was basically it. And now I think it's a very nice name because people can remember it quite well. And it generates a bit of, yeah, a happy feeling. So that's why it was Picnic. In the beginning, we had questions, of course, people saying, okay, do you only sell picnic stuff or only sell uh, barbecue meat? But uh, no. So. And in, in, uh, last year, I read that you raised uh, a lot of money, uh, yeah. 100 million from different family funds in the Netherlands, family offices. Yeah. Um, is that money meant for growing the business internationally or was it used also for the national uh, rollout? Yeah, that, that was used for, uh, was meant for Holland, okay. so the Netherlands. Yeah. 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 So it was an investment in... Uh, financing the growth. Eh? I yeah. think when we started talks, we had maybe three or four hubs or something and just a couple of cities. And so along the way, we, of course, grew uh, quite a lot. But that, uh, that helped us to invest in growth, basically, eh? because this is a business where when we open a, a distribution center in Rotterdam in a couple of weeks' time, on day one, there's one order out coming out of it, and it's built for 10,000 orders. So it always takes time to ramp up. And ramping up uh, takes also financing. It's as simple as that. And, and you're a serial entrepreneur. You, you stepped into uh, this, this, this business model because you saw uh, that an industry could be disrupted. Um, what's your role right now in, in Picnic? Well, I think if you look at, the, at Picnic uh, compared to some of the other stuff that I've been involved in, is that the, you have a, an industry where, let's say, the last 50 years, uh, the amount of innovation was limited. Or it was only used for the companies for their own efficiency. So it was more sort of supply-driven from their point of view, but it was less demand-driven. What does the customer really want? And by far, uh, the most successful retail format probably in the world is the supermarket. Because if you go to Manila or to Hamburg or to Buenos Aires to a supermarket, they all look the same. Probably some, <laughs> somebody found a system that worked really well. Uh, but if you look back... I will ask the, my friends in Manila. If this is ask your friends in Manila. <laughs> it is true. Or in Kiel, maybe. No, but it's, I mean, so the funny thing is that you have uh, a very strong industry with maybe not so much uh, innovation on the business model side of things. And if you ask people before we started, and that's the same with the other companies that I was involved in, if you ask people, are you happy with going to supermarkets? Most people would say, yeah, sort of okay. Because there's no real alternative. And if you generate the alternative, if you provide an alternative for people to start doing something else that is better for them, then you get this movement going. And that's exactly what we try to do, is to make, let's say, people understand what we do, what is our model, uh, what, is it, what does it mean for you, and then you generate a bit of the energy with the people to change their behavior, because they have been going to the supermarket for the last 50 years. Eh? So it's really difficult for consumers to change their behavior, as we all know. And that's exactly what you need to do. Uh, find a way to have a really strong incentive for them, so a really superior product to what they're in the market, and then you get this, uh, this movement going. And, and then your, your day-to-day -day work now at Picnic, is, uh, is that different compared to your times? Apart at from uh, talking to the Wimlex uh, <laughs> podcast. Is that, is that, is that different more more compared more. to Rootmobile or Tango when you were really uh, in your early... 
days of, of entrepreneurship? I don't know. It's, it's, um, I, I, I try to be involved a bit on the, uh, the front side, so the, yeah. the, the, the consumer side in terms of how do people perceive our brand or why would people change their behavior? What can we do with the runners? Uh, so we did a complete, uh, um, when we started our first hub and we needed these runners. That most of the time these are students that do it a couple of times a week, sort of, sort of delivery uh, uh, part of it. And we, we immediately in the beginning, we started to, to ask people to work for us that really have a sort of a feeling for the customer, that they really want to do the right thing at the door, not because they get paid for it, but because they like doing it. And we found out that when we had 10 runners, the 10th guy said, well, I have a friend at the football club or at the hockey club that also likes to work for a picnic. Oh, yeah. Bring him along. And so this sort of a social group became bigger and bigger. And we found out that the, the type of person that we need is not, not a logistical person, but it's more, let's say, um, people that work in bars or in hotels or in restaurants. So it's more, let's say, the part that makes people happy. That's more important than the cost. And I think if you look at some of the, uh, also the, uh, the, the, the e-commerce players, um, also in Germany, what they do is, of course, the last miles for everybody is sort of a pain. And the only thing that they do is try to make the last mile cheaper by making the operation of the people cheaper. So getting uh, another different contract or trying to find a way to make the person cheaper. And I think we're doing uh, not so much the opposite in terms of cost, but the opposite in terms of where you focus on. So we rather have nice people at the door that people stay with us and are happy than trying to cut down costs every time for the last mile so that the experience gets a bit poor. Are, are you talking about like uh, turnover revenue numbers in total where is a uh, picnic standing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this year we will end up sort of 200 million mark uh, turnover. Um, and then uh, next year uh, we'll see. But uh, I mean, we're growing quite, uh, 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 quite quickly still, even after, after the three years that we had. And this is, of course, by opening new hubs at the next week is Amsterdam. The second hub is open and we have many cities to follow. And many cities are still very young. And if you look, for instance, at Amersfoort, which is our, uh, our oldest city, today more than 50% of all households have downloaded the app, wow. registered in the app. downloaded, register, put your phone number, etc. So that's already a huge amount of people that sort of are interested in doing it. And 25% of the households is a customer. So they, at least they bought once. So, and that, those are enormous numbers. Uh, so there's, of all the cities... 25% of households are customer. And, and can you, I think we discussed it with Frederick in the customs owner, but uh, can you um, elaborate a little bit on the market share you're explaining in the grocery markets? Because that is like the, how far can it go? Uh, like from 1% to 10%, 20%. So in Armasford, uh, how much of the basket uh, or the uh, general grocery spending is, is driven. Yeah, well, if you, could, if you look at Amersfoort, which gives a sort of a leading role in terms of the, uh, the, the size of the market and the, the maturity of the market, I think in, when we started, there was also 1%. It's a bit like in Germany, it's also yeah, 1% yeah. today. Now in Amersfoort, the online market, so only groceries online I'm talking about, is now 5%. And the 4% came by us, that, that's simple because we just started there and that's, that's, that's where the growth is coming from. So if you look at the market at Amersfoort... Amersfoort started in 2015. Yeah. So it took you three years to grow from, uh, to zero, grow for, from to zero to five. Yeah. And 5% mm -hmm. in the grocery market is huge. Yeah? I mean, these, these are companies that, that talk about market share changes of 0.1% and then already it's in the, in the press. So 5% yeah. um, of that bigger market is huge. And how big it will become, nobody knows. Yeah, but but, but if, this is, if this is proven, 5% after like three years is, is already very impressive. So and it probably will lead to like, I don't know, 10% in 2022 or so or 2020 Maybe, yeah. even. Um, so, and uh, um, why don't you roll out then the model uh, not even much faster because like capital in such an environment where we are in like with, uh, with kind of zero interest so uh, you're even like a bank so if the model is proven you don't uh, you don't ask for negative interest you can yeah, <laughs> you can yeah and it's true it's true so it sounds funny but it's true <laughs> uh, and uh, um, how why don't you take uh, not as much money as you as you just can take and then proceed it through the German market Austrian market Switzerland market wherever the milk, milkman uh, uh, was uh, uh, 
uh, was around. Yeah, but I think uh, we we sort of doing doing that exactly because we we started in Germany. I think talking about it already within 12 months when we after we launched Holland, so it is already quite uh, uh, let's say aggressive. Um, and now we're in Germany. We opened up München Gladbach uh, two three weeks ago. We're looking at the third city next year. Uh, there are of course more cities to follow, so it goes quite quickly. And the point is that we we found out that um, going from one to two is sort of difficult. One to two hubs, one to two distribution center, one to two countries. Uh, the third time it starts to be more more easy. But still, I mean, this is a new concept. These are customers that are not, let's say, used to doing groceries online. So their first order needs to be absolutely, totally perfect. Because if the first order is bad, then they ah, probably grocery online is nothing for me. So you yeah. need to be growing very fast, but still keep the yeah, quality at a very high level. That's true. But if like if I read like the uh, the IPO uh, prospects from uh, HelloFresh and uh, um, Farfetch, where it's not, it's even less proven. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and customer satisfaction is not not as not as uh, nearly <laughs> as high as in your cases. So they're getting, uh, 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 they just don't care. So it's it's good for you to, that you care um about I the healthiness you about should, your business yeah yeah yeah, but, um, yeah it, 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 I, I, i totally appreciate that but i think the yeah, so, so what's the what, what's your point yeah. then and just do 20 cities next year or 20 countries next year i mean doesn't that make sense does it? why hmm? why no i mean, I mean why not yeah, yeah of course of course we we grow very quickly But you need to make sure that you, when you enter a new market, that you understand what the customer says about your assortment, what the customer says about your service. So you have to let's sort of make it uh, right from the from the word go. That's a bit thing. But my fear, my bit fear would be, well, my fear would be though, even even if if you say, and I, I'm totally with you with that, that uh, if you have like a blank sheet, like you started, it's yep. easier compared to the incumbents. Yeah. But now incumbents are looking and how how it's working. If I would be like a grocery retailing chain in, in Poland, I would say, okay. That seems to be the winning model. Yes. I, I, I'm just copying it. Oh, yeah? And instead of accepting that there's somebody <laughs> in Poland copying like the picnic model, I would <laughs> rather franchise yeah, it no. or, or go good. after that. The, the so they, 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 they prepare the market a bit when we come. So that's good. Yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah you say so, you say so. <laughs> but uh, sometimes it's easier like uh, to, to, to go in there with speed. I have like a, a, a very specific uh, a technical question here on your side. When we are looking, when we looked at the... At the German models and, and some even like in France, uh, um, uh, um, they tried to use like standard software from the market to build like a grocery experience using software from SAP Hybris or Magento or whatever, and they usually failed. So you have said you've built everything in, in an app kind of approach. Yep. Uh, so how how do you look uh, on the uh, technology topic? So how do you manage it? What kind of software do you use to build such an operations, which is uh, obviously not very easy to, to build? Well, to go to, in, to the very details of uh, the software, you probably have to ask yours and Frederick. But what we did from the beginning, yeah, you should, yeah. <laughs> uh, what we did from the beginning is uh, build our own tech team. Yeah? So, of course, from the FredTop experience of uh, Frederick and yours, we had, of course, completely the software knowledge already here uh, in, at founders level. And that's a really important part because we, when you start a company as a tech company with the DNA of a tech company, It's completely different than having a sort of a business already and then say, ah, tomorrow we are a tech company. It's not going to work. So from scratch, we've built all the software ourselves. Means a lot of things. First of all, of course, you have the best software, the best engineers you need to find. If you find them, you have the best software. Secondly, you're not stuck with all these legacy systems. You're not buying software of somebody else who didn't make it for online groceries, but made it for something else. So... It gives you a lot of uh, uh, head start. Also, when you look at uh, uh, ex uh, existing software, if you want to change something, you need to wait for the next release. And so it gives you a lot of speed. But having that as a starting point is also very different from what most bigger retailers, I mean, grocery retailers or any other have. And that's what you see exactly in any market in Europe. If you look at the market leader in the store world, so in the offline world, Most of the time, it's not the same company as the market leader in the online world, which is interesting because you would say, okay, I'm now market leader in the store world, so I have the best conditions, I have all these people on board, I'm very knowledgeable, I have business relationship, I have money, I have everything. So why not start the online version of my business? But most of the time, it doesn't work like that. And there are many, probably many reasons for that, but you, you saw the same in the airline industry in the, in the 80s and 90s in the US. 
No, when, when, it, when it comes to digital, it's, uh, it's very, the explanation is from, from my point of view, very easy in the offline store world. It was to, uh, there was like a, um, a lock in in like locations uh, and uh, yeah, okay. the, the ones who were selling better products per location had been the winners. Mm -hmm. In the online world, it's, there's no lock in in location, though the ones that are selling better are winning and yeah. selling better is usually explained by using uh, being better in software development so uh, it's, no, it's, exactly. it's, it's two very very no. different uh, two very different uh, company um, uh, company assumptions and if you're like coming from a world where all the organization is about like selling better products because you guys are better you're better like in mar marketing your retailer uh, brand and having a better purchase yep. uh, experience no, that, yeah. and now competing with uh, Zalando about you now in, in, in Holland uh, of the bowl.com where it always was about selling better, where nobody is caring about purchasing <laughs> and everybody's caring about code and, uh, and data. Yeah. It's two different kind of companies. Now, we see your point on uh, aren't you afraid of many uh, retailers outside Holland and Germany copying your model? Well, um, yeah, but but let, let, let's though there's like there must there's even like smart consultancy companies in uh, in Poland <laughs> or Switzerland. And what, what would they what would they do? Where they would say, okay, dear, I don't know what the, the Polish grocery chain uh, is named. Uh, um, I don't know. Let's let's say it's Edeka Poland. Yeah, <laughs> uh, don't do it uh, within your uh, within your legacy organization. Mm -hmm. Please uh, take some money out of the organization, which is hard to do because um, yep. these uh, these okay. kind of let's say partnership. Let's, model is very 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 hard to yep. uh, to focus on but let, let's take like 10% of your revenues out of the model and invest like in a greenfield picnic Poland uh, approach that's how companies are doing at least mm -hmm. uh, these days so I, I, I wouldn't be afraid from from uh, from the uh, um, from the legacy models um, uh, for sure I think there's still some pets left from uh, from uh, from the Aldi team which is uh, which was very quiet in uh, in Germany uh, greetings uh, at this point so <laughs> The other team uh, yeah. here, uh, and I think uh, Lidl had uh, left something in his pocket. But they're growing; they're, they are still so strong, growing in their old analog yeah. uh, business, which is it's fine. Like huh? One hundred billion companies um, already; uh, they don't care for four percent uh, uh, in Amersfoort. Uh, I would say that's their perspective right now, which yeah. is your luck. Yeah, maybe, but uh, I mean, it's also true that the, the 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 online grocery market is still so young, so there's room for everybody. And we won't be the only ones uh, uh, that will try this. And secondly, I mean, even if it grows to 10, 20 or 30 percent, there's still 70 percent left of the traditional market. So there's still business to be done. By yeah, no, people. no, no. I, I, I don't agree at all. I'm just trying to, no, 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 to no, give them some sleep. Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's good like, to let the others know that there's the market <laughs> left. If, you know, if you're looking now in the markets where like, you reach the 30 percent already, yeah. like in fashion or consumer electronics yeah. or in like... Smartphone yeah, accessories, it's like 80%. So uh, the 70% yeah. left yeah. is not very interesting because there's no margin in it. Then you have still like the very expensive, uh, yeah. uh, um, expensive like uh, um, uh, retail stores to manage, very expensive people to have there in the stores. So yeah, when, they, when you've reached like 10, 20%, or all the interesting market is already went online. And that's, um, and, that, and that's why I'm still pushing for it. Okay, why not grow faster? Where, where's going to be like the turn a uh, point of no return in becoming like the market leader because of I, I, I'm, we always see in all markets not uh, um, fashion not yet but uh, consumer electronics at least is Amazon in the more, uh, most West, western market there seems to be a winner takes almost everything uh, um, approach and uh, um, this must be the same in grocery because and then maybe we can uh, deep dive into your model here um, what we're seeing in other models is that the margin um, is getting uh, uh, lesser and lesser in, in every uh, in every in every assortment. So you're going to earn more money with um, uh, Amazon is doing today with uh, IT services or marketing approaches, and yep. you're getting very interesting data from your customers. And you yep. you know you I think you you've started to offering kind of a. Uh, uh, box return service where you yeah, can yeah, uh, pick yeah, up yeah, boxes, yeah. and that's where, and that's that's where like a winner takes it all. Model really really accelerates because mm. if you don't rely on the margin even uh, anymore, then it gives you like uh, even more capital to scale. Yeah, but I think that's also a difference from what we do versus the others. I mean, if you look at our last mile, uh, we built our car ourselves, uh, we built the algorithm ourselves. It's a complete new infrastructure that we put into the market. Whereas all the incumbents, also Amazon, with Amazon Fresh, they use sort of the existing infrastructure from DHL or from Deutsche Post. Right? So they're, they're using that 
uh, that part, that infrastructure for doing grocery deliveries, which is sort of difficult, especially with uh, frozen and chilled items and 40 items in a box. It's very difficult to do with a sort of a logistical infrastructure that was made for uh, delivering electronics or whatever it is uh, to people's homes. So having that infrastructure ourselves gives us opportunities of people that approach us which is also nice when you start an, uh, or you're an entrepreneur, you start a new business that people approach you because they see something that you do that they could use and maybe something that you haven't thought of before. So we started a couple of months ago with uh, um, uh, collecting uh, library books at people's home just to see if would people understand it, that we would also take their library books and bring them back to the library. And they said, yeah, that's quite nice. And now we just recently started with a return pilot where we say to people, if you buy something from Zalando or whoever it is, then you might have a return. And so you can give it to our runner and we make sure that it gets back to the supplier. And that's interesting because that, of course, is nice for the customer, saves time, saves money sometimes. But it's also nice in terms of sustainability. It takes all these trips of these uh, logistical companies in and out of the town out of the way because we are driving there anyway bring it back to our hub and then this parcel service guy picks it up and 50 uh, parts at the same time so there's a lot of things that can happen based on the infrastructure that we built so meaning that uh, your point to why why not grow faster there's so much in this uh, to grow faster that uh, you can uh, count on us yeah that's true but I'm um yeah, but yeah, of course. But you are in a lucky position, so you can you can select what kind of growth options uh, yes. you want to pursue. Which it we do. Be like the option within yeah. the existing household yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, reach, or might it be like a, a, a very very promising city like here? So it's the <laughs> <laughs> to, to see that Alexander is very enthusiastic yeah, exactly. about your business model. <laughs> yeah. We have one customer guild, that's for sure. For sure. That's yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. So, but uh, when you're uh, maybe we can uh, we can um, deep dive a little bit on the on the on the German market. Like you've uh, opened like um, uh, you've started like a noise and uh, Mönchengladbach, right? Yeah. Uh, and now you're going into um, into new cities. When you expand, like in a country like and this is like the first country, uh, uh, new country like you're expanding in. Um, uh, um, do you look like? Um, what is the next closest city? Because you have already some relations in the area of noise. I mentioned Gladbach, and maybe you can send uh, some of the pickers uh, to the next city. Or would you say, no, there's some, so much interest, so much dema demand from the Munich area or from Ingolstadt uh, or, or from, a, from a smaller city. Uh, let's go there. Do you, have like a pro uh, do you have an approach here? No, I mean, I think, I think I'm not sure whether Kassenzone did that. Uh, uh, draw a little circle around Wiesen. Yeah, it was Udo. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's sort of the way uh, to look at it, of course, because uh, if it's too far away from Wiesen, you can't do it from Wiesen. That's your DC. Yeah, location. that's our DC in, in Germany. So uh, so when you look at Wiesen, there's uh, many cities that you can do from there. So that's, of course, the first growing step. And when you want to enter another uh, region, you just have to open a new fulfillment center and do it every day. And that's exactly my point as doing the first one is difficult, but the second one is already, oh, the first one is hard, the second one is difficult, but the third one is start to be a lot easier. So, for instance, the Rotterdam, the fifth one in Holland, well, we sort of did it on a Friday afternoon. Yeah? So it helps to, to generate a bit of experience, it helps to build the, also the German team, and once you get there, you, go, you can go a lot quicker than we did. What is the hardest part in scaling, finding like new logistics centers? Or finding people? There's always something that is uh, more challenging at one uh, stage than the other. I mean, you have, to, of course, to build the vehicles, so you have to, to step up capacity of the, the vehicle building. Where do you build them? Sort of that. We build them now in Holland, uh, and then we bring them to Germany. Then we have, uh, of course, the runners, so you need to just find the runners, uh, train them, and get them on the road. You need to find a fulfillment center, you need to find uh, shoppers, so uh, people that do the order picking. So it's, this is all uh, a growing game. And once you have that, you can take the next step and, uh, and grow further. So there's always, let's say, in any growth scenario, there's always something that is sort of uh, the critical path. And once you solve that, you can go much quicker. You, you, you're a food delivery company. And also uh, you decide the taste of those normal families that you're servicing. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of product innovation, are you also looking like uh, to white label certain products and, and deliver them under your name? Or are you looking at certain trends in the, in, in, in the taste of the people? No, I think uh, we have, of course, everything. We have A brand, we have private label, we have sort of the, the Euro shopper type of uh, uh, brands. 
And also what we did from the start is when you go into a category in the app, at the last, uh, let's say, the last point of the category, there's a little fellow saying, are you missing something? So as a customer, you can say, I miss product X, Y, Z. Okay. And so if there are five people that ask for it, we put it in the app and people just get a, a notice saying, hey, your product's in there. So we've added a lot of biological products since the beginning, a lot of local products. That's also what people okay. like. So local beers, local cheese, local honey, local sambal. So it's really the type of stuff that people really like, which means that what we have in the app is stuff that people really buy, really demand-driven. Whereas if you would go to a supermarket, you would have a lot of stuff that people never buy or once a week, but because the supplier or it's supply-driven says, okay, and then you've got the square meters anyhow. This is a completely different world. Here we have a world where people want to do groceries in three minutes' time. Very efficient, lowest price, my products. It's completely different from the supermarkets where you may have more time or you just walk along the aisles. But this is an efficiency tool that needs to be really good products at the best price and convenience. So it's a completely different world. But if you, if you involve your customers in building that new way of doing business, then you have a sort of the frequency and the, and the loyalty that we have. And, and do you then also um, give product recommendations to your current customers? As in? As in, for example, um, well, Picnic is still not available in the city where I'm from. Yeah. So we order at Albert Heijn. Yeah. And Albert Heijn is giving us... Uh, <laughs> Albert Heijn is giving us recommendations. You also might like this, or we have this new product, ah, okay, and, and they, they give you know. a product sample. No, what we what we said in the beginning is that if we change something in the app, or if we yep. make anything, it needs to be something that makes the life of the consumer easier, more convenient, happier, whatever it is. It, it needs to be something that the customers really like. For instance, if we people in, are in our checkout, so they're working towards the the, uh, the checkout. Of course, we could spam them to death by saying, hey, today we have whatever product in promotion, or hey, you bought uh, spaghetti, why didn't you, bought, uh, why did you buy tomato sauce? Yeah. But that is sort of annoying. So what we said is that we need to go one step before that, make sure that when you see spaghetti, there's also tomato sauce next to it. So make it easier for the customer to make the best purchase. Instead of saying, okay, we'd like to sell more to this person, And let's just spam them to death. Of course, we'd like to sell more, but in a way that they would like it. Yeah? So if you go into the app and if you have, let's say, purchased a couple of times, your app and my app will be completely different. Okay, it's a personalized yeah. app. Of course, because you have a cat and you buy cat food. I have a dog, I buy dog food. So I will never see cat food. It's still in there somewhere, yeah. but I never see it because I don't want to scroll yeah. 100 pages of stuff that I don't and never buy. It, it's such a healthy, sustainable view on a business because if you're like... Uh, short-sighted, uh, revenue-driven, then you, of course, would uh, put the banners uh, in there, like, uh, you yeah. bought spaghetti, please buy yeah. uh, tomato sauce. A and because you're a data guy, if you look from a data perspective, you will see, like, average basket <laughs> will, uh, will increase. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, but I think that's very interesting. The value in our, in our model is, uh, in our brand, basically, is not in uh, trying to get the, the, the highest basket after four weeks. It is in getting the loyalty up. Yeah. And the frequency, we have now people on average buying 40 times a year, on average, yeah? so okay. everybody together, also the people that do it once every four weeks. So that's a huge uh, uh, number, and that means that people basically are doing it every week, except holidays. So it's, it's every week we have a runner of picnic at your door, meaning you get used to the, uh, the runner, you get used to the way we work, you get used to the way we, we solve issues when there are issues, But you also get used to having one person at your door every week. Means you could do the parcels, you could do many more things that are sort of uh, piggybacking on the infrastructure that you've built and also on the brand that you've built. I, um, I, I just wanted to ask, what is your like biggest learnings during like the journey so far in, in Picnic? I'm remembering when you showed me uh, the um, the hub that uh, uh, saying that like plastic bags are like more sustainable than. Uh, paper bags, which is like uh, usually something you <laughs> rarely hear. Yeah. So, uh, 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 can you elaborate on this a little bit? Well, it's it's very simple. If you um, if you do it the way we do, namely we have bioplastic bags, we hand them to our customers, and they pay a deposit for it. So when they give the bags in return to us, we give the deposit back, and we use it for recycling purposes. So you have a sort of a closed loop of plastic, which is far more efficient than handing out paper bags. And just throwing them in the dustbin. Simple as that. Bi what does bio bag mean? Bioplastic means it's, no, it's made of sugar cane. Okay. So Biodegradable. 
It's, it's not biodegradable, it's made of biomaterial. Okay. Yep. And then you can reuse it to make new products, new plastic products. Okay. Because what we do is we collect the bags, yep. only the bags. Okay. So it's a really pure stream that you can really recycle well. Okay, and is there other like big learnings you've made so far? What stuff you, th you thought would have been totally different when you started uh, Picnic? Oh, there, there, there are many things, but the, uh, of course, the, the most important insight was that people like the, the milkman model, so they're okay with that. Uh, I think also a learning that we have is that the, the, the way you present yourself at the door plays an enormous important role. So the runner plays an important role, because if you have an order, you order something like an electronics device, and uh, some parcel company comes deliver it to you, it doesn't really matter what, what this person looks like. You know, it just gives me the package and it's okay. But if you have fresh products and groceries, you have your, your fresh tomatoes and your cheese and your milk and your meat and everything is in there, you'd like to have a really nice experience. So that's something that we found out in the beginning because people just referred so positively to the runner. Oh, it's such a nice girl, such a nice boy. Yeah, we also have 30% is girls. We saw a couple of this then this morning. And it, it, it sort of makes it more a brand that people can sort of, um, uh, let's say, relate to than a, a very abstract thing that just delivers the product. And that, that seems a sort of a technical uh, difference, but that's a huge difference. Mm. Are, are there important learnings so far? Um, and, 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 and maybe important learnings regarding like building your own car. So um, it seems to be like impossible building mm -hmm. your own cars, even especially from like a startup, a startup pers uh, perspective. And now I don't know how many cars are out there. Now. 700. 700 wow. cars. It's, um, it's uh, uh, probably more than Aston Martins are driving around here. No, it's, in, it's uh, by far the biggest uh, yeah. online grocery fleet in Europe. That's for sure. Electric. Yeah. 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 Oh, absolutely. So, so was it easy to come up with like your own car? No, but it played a very crucial role because looking at the, uh, the, the, the window, uh, the delivery window problem, and the uh, distribution cost problem, the last mile cost, the, the vehicle plays an enormous important role. Because if you have a standard vehicle, uh, let's say, uh, first of all, it's diesel, because there are no, 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 not so many standard uh, electrical vans. Then you have, it's quite big. It's a back loader, but also a back unloader. So you have to walk, go inside. So you, ha you need a gangway of a meter wide. So the vehicle is bigger. You can't park it in front of people's homes. So you have to park it at 100 meter down the road on the corner of the street, so it takes more time to go back and forth. So the vehicles plays a very important role in this whole last mile uh, cost. So if you want to, to change that, you need to develop your own vehicle. That's exactly what we did. And, and, um, and you have like running like your own factory here, building those vehicles, or do you have like a joint venture with like a professional vehicle uh, builder? No, it, it, seem, it still seems to no, be no, like no, having, a vehicle, having a vehicle which you're like <laughs> driving on the street like uh, across a normal Hondas and all no, that no, stuff. No, so no, that no, seems no, to no, be no. like ridiculous. No, of course, we didn't build our own uh, battery. That's something that uh, we, we, of course, we buy the components. And we sort of make sure that somebody builds the, the electrical parts, let's say, the, the yeah. wheels and the battery. But uh, the rest is all uh, custom-made by us, for us. Yeah. And, and what so is you like, can't buy it on the market. What is the reach from, for such a vehicle when you start a vehicle? It's uh, 100 kilometers per day of, or on a full battery, let's say. Without, without recharging it? Without recharging it. That, which that's, is even that's even further than the uh, DHL uh, um, Sprinter. Is that the, yeah, the, the street scooter? The, the, the street scooter, it's 80 or something. Yeah. I haven't seen like one heavy street street scooter driver. No, 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 no. Why not? There's no there's no heating, for example, uh, yeah. and then and 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 not really, not really cooling. So they put um, their own ventilators inside the uh, ah. in the morning yeah. to heat up the uh, yeah, yeah, to heat yeah. up the cabin. Okay. And then uh, uh, they have been used to um, uh, Volkswagen or to Mercedes uh, Sprinters. It's used yeah. even for like long distance, uh, um, for long distance stuff. Ah, this is of course a different vehicle. This is a vehicle that. Only can only drive 50 k's an hour so okay. and it's only for inner city because we, you can't go on the motorway with these vehicles of course so you have to our whole model is based upon a local hub close yeah. to where people live and then we have the electrical vans doing these small milkman rounds do you have then superchargers at the different hubs no, to charge it's them? It's just or? a very simple battery that you can just put in the socket and overnight it charges. Ah, okay. Everything seems so simple here and people are so <laughs> nice. So there, there, yeah. must be, there must be I mean, like there, a, a trick. There are no superchargers. But also the vehicle. I mean, if you look at the, the first version of the vehicle and now, 
it has already changed. We put in a different suspension, we put in cameras, we put in uh, one of the first things that we found out after a couple of months, talking about learnings. We had a vehicle with three layers of totes. Yeah. yeah. Because we thought, okay, we're going to make a milkman round of two hours. So how many orders can you deliver in two hours? Times the average number of totes. So many totes we can deliver in two hours. So the vehicle needs to be that high. But we found out already after a couple of months that the density of our customers was so high that we did a couple of in one street and then we w uh, went to the next street and did two and then another city we did one. And then uh, so we had sort of in two hours, we were ready by far uh, before we thought. Yeah? So we had more time and more orders we could put inside, so we made it a big, big. So we added a fourth layer, meaning that every trip has 30% more capacity. Because <laughs> instead of going with three totes, you can go with four layers of totes. But well, what is the maximum is you, you can't increase the size uh, any further, right? So but then, then, then you wouldn't have like the advantage of parking in front of uh, customers. Yeah, right? that's so. So if you make the vehicle a lot bigger, uh, it means that you can't park in front. This is important. But also, if you make the vehicle a lot bigger, the trips get a lot longer. And that's exactly what you see also in traditional distribution models, is that people, uh, they, they go into their van, the people that work for these companies, they go into their van at 8 o'clock in the morning, let's say in Vierst, and they drive to uh, Krefeld. It takes them uh, 40 minutes, sure. And they drive to Krefeld, and then they take sort of the whole day to do 18 deliveries because they are zigzagging the street, the, the city, all day just to do these 18 deliveries. Then they drive back and they're ready. Yeah? We have these small milkman routes, meaning that if in the, in the traditional system you have a traffic jam at the start of your day of half an hour, which can happen anytime, at least in Holland, if you have a traffic jam and you lose half an hour, you can never make up during the day. So you already know at the first morning <laughs> that your last 10 customers will not be very happy. Because they had already a two-hour two time slot, and then you're already coming an hour late or half an hour late. And that's also the, the, the benefit of the small rounds, that you have small efficient rounds, you come back and you do the next round. So you have a problem in your first round, it's not affecting all these other customers. Now you got me, because I usually get a text message, sorry, we're running a little bit late because yeah. of this delay. Yeah. Of a yeah. driver going zigzagging uh, around. Uh, we also did the beginning. We we we, invent, we we stole a bit from Uber the uh, the interface where you can see yeah. the, the vehicle driving. Yeah. So we made exactly that sort of, and um, uh, we thought it was sort of a gimmick, it's just nice for customers. But they really love it because now it's really on the minute, so they can see ah. There Marco is driving to there my door. A, I think there was a discussion uh, on, a, on a food panel a couple of weeks ago. I think it was like a guy from Switzerland uh, telling that they deactivated the option because uh, people started to uh, to call the driver or the central. Because oh, yeah? I see the vehicle is so close. <laughs> uh, it, uh, it should come. <laughs> That's for Uber. No, it wasn't Uber. No, it was like, a, I think it was like a Switzerland uh, food delivery. Uh, we always time. like uh, when people give us a call. Yeah, yeah, I see the, I see the I same mean, way. Do you want feedback or don't you want feedback? Yeah. So, so we, we are running out a little bit of time uh, because like uh, uh, it shouldn't be longer, uh, longer than, a, than a European flight, the podcast. Because <laughs> is that the, the uh, yeah, yeah, is that the idea? Yeah, what, what, uh, what, what you're usually saying. I'm, uh, um, I'm, but I think there's going to be like a, maybe a second or third episode uh, uh, about picnic in, uh, in the future. There's so much stuff uh, to come. Maybe there's some uh, um, Polish uh, grocery chain starting now. The <laughs> Yeah. The picnic exactly. greenfield approach. Exactly, uh, exactly. Give me a call when you do. Listening to Casazona. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Maybe, and Vimlex uh, starting a new one. We should think about affiliate model. Yes. Uh, then about, but, 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 but I don't, uh, do you have like a, still one question left or uh, is it uh, okay well, for Well, we, we talked a lot about picnic and about um, um, the, the model that you're building. Um, what I was also interested in, you're also an investor. You've invested in, in the past in companies like Fasulista here in the Netherlands. Um, and, and, and you actually received this business idea also from uh, the Fred Hopper founders. Absolutely. How do you decide on a business idea? What are the factors that you look at um, to judge a new business idea on? Um, I think a couple of things. First of all, size of the market is interesting. Yeah, you could also be in a very small market. I mean, it's very successful. Don't, 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 don't misunderstand me. But the size of the market is really interesting. Then the level of innovation that you can bring to the table. How good is your idea? How good is your business model? And thirdly, is this a market where people have been doing the same years after years and not many changes have happened? And so if you combine those three things, then you have a sort of an explosive uh, mix. Yeah. 
And that's exactly what happened. I mean, since the start, we, we got so many people signing up and saying, hey, man, now I can also do groceries online. So the, the, the demand was there, yeah. but you just have to unlock it by building a new business model. Yeah. Great. So all, Thank three, you so much. all three criteria, if you put like an amplifier, amplifier that's like, It's like uh, on the maximum amplifier, market size, like demand, uh, slowness of the incumbent. So it takes uh, <laughs> all the boxes. That's it. That's it. That's it. That makes it a little bit hard, like for another business ideas, like coming through. <laughs> And a strong oh, yeah. founder team as well, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. no, of course, yeah. I mean, uh, you, if everything is uh, adding up when you have also, of course, the. Uh, and as, as we're now here with 170 people, uh, about half of this is developers. So that's, of course, a different part of a difficult part for us to keep attracting the right people yeah. and keep attracting mm -hmm. the best people. But that's the only thing you can do because you, you, you need to have the best people on board. Great. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for your time. So Thank I, you very much. I, I'm pretty sure Udo and all the other uh, guys from the uh, food industry will send us <laughs> some, some additional questions we, uh, we can uh, then process in the in second okay. uh, um, episode. Uh, yeah. Thanks a lot. It was super interesting. Thanks for coming. Thanks so much. Yeah.